0: Hello, my name's Dan Hathaway and this is Cyberviews. Today, I'd like to introduce Eric Humes, an Indiana farmer who has witnessed firsthand the rise of technology in agriculture. Now, like most farmers, his career actually started the day his mom came home from the baby hospital, right? <laughs> but seriously, he started his farming career when he bought his first farm in 1987, when he was still a senior in high school. Eric. Tell us about yourself.
1: Uh, Good morning, Danny. Uh, We farm in northern Indiana here. Um, Currently, uh, my two sons uh, work with me and farm a little bit of their own ground. But uh, I this family farm. Uh, Dad started farming uh, several years ago. Started in Illinois. We moved to Indiana in '73. Um, We basically grow corn, soybeans, uh, a little bit of wheat, and occasionally rent some ground out to the local potato farmer um it's a still considered a family farm but you know in today's world it's a business so if you don't run it as a business it's not going to be a business
0: yeah it's really i mean now we're if if you if you don't run your farm like a business you don't really have a farm to run right so that's
1: yep yeah it's uh it's all money anymore it's no different than anything else um we do have the luxury of like i say still being a family farm to where it allows us to do a little bit more you know a little bit of extra things that uh keep the family participation in it and and make it a a lot more fun and a lot happier place to work
0: but you know, on, you know what my audience, most of them probably already know is I was born and raised on a farm, so to speak. And my, my dad, my grandpa really always used to say, you know, this is a way of life. Um, And, and I'm, you know, been running a, a technology firm for, you know, 23 years where we really emphasize culture. And we, we talk to our employees about, you know, the forever employee, and that this is a way of life, even though, if we don't run our company like a business, we're not gonna have a company. Is it like that in farming as well?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. You still gotta make the day-to-day, to dis, pardon me, the day-to-day decisions that are gonna affect your bottom line, um, regardless of where the family is in it or not, um, the, the blessing is that we have the family to be able to fall back on and help make those decisions um but yes it's definitely a uh, it's definitely a business and you have to treat it as one you know whether it's your financing or anything else um, you know so you have to make the best business decisions on whatever uh situation has come you know comes up in front of you at the day so
0: so you know in in our business we we talk about you know the the we're a table, right? We have four legs holding us up. Uh, it's, uh, you know, safety, uh, service, a culture and, and growth. And it seems to me that in the family farm, it's kind of the same thing, that culture aspects of it. The fact that, you know, when we came out to visit you, we met your two sons and, you know, they really knew what they were doing, by the way. Um, And, you know, it seemed like everybody knew what was expected of them, but you still have the camaraderie of working with your family and, you know, we're all in this together. And, and that cultural aspects of it Um, is that, I mean, I feel like what you're saying is that there's really a lot of resonance and, and, and small businesses, period, that, that running a small business is still a way of life. Uh, we just have to make sure that growth or or profit or whatever, you know, the metric is, is an important part of that small business. Are we on the Absolutely. same page there, Eric? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. so what is the, how do you describe the size of your operation, the type of operation, that sort of thing?
1: Uh, in today's scale in the world, we're probably a small to mid-sized farm. We're we're farming about 3,000 acres. Um, wow. We do a little bit of custom work on the side too. Um, we've actually downsized in the last couple of years, just due to labor shortages and and trying to keep it a little bit closer, you know, uh, tight knit family type operation. Um, not saying that the right opportunities come along that we we can't grow or won't grow. Um, it's just we decided to focus on some of the uh, higher earning aspects of it for us and. and and you know, hopefully, maybe find that next employee that maybe will allow us to go to the next level um, because it, you start stretching yourself too thin in any type of business, and it just makes it that much more difficult and harder to harder to be profitable.
0: So, you know, so it's three thousand acres. you know, wow, just so you know, my dad and my and 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 his partner, my uncle Hadaway brothers, was the name of the the business, right? And and I thought we had a huge farm. Now, we also had livestock, but, you know, we had like 1,800 acres at, at at the peak. And mm-hmm. so 3,000 acres as a small family farm is still, to me, that's a lot of work. I, I, that's what I remember about, you know, the crops part of farming is how much work was involved in, you know, getting those crops in the ground and then keeping the weeds out of them and then getting them out of the field. So... Yeah. Uh, but I also heard you talk about potatoes. Are, do, do you raise potatoes then, or, or tell us a little bit about that? Is that like a, an, uh, you know, a, a side product or anything like that? Or
1: so the uh, in our situation, we we have a, a it's basically a, almost a corporate farm, but it it's, uh, it's a uh, they actually grow potatoes. Um, they're in I think nine or ten different states now. They're based out of North Dakota. Um, but they're only a couple miles away from my shop. um, And they actually come in and rent the ground uh, from us. And all we basically have to do is provide the pivot irrigation, which we do, we're probably about 60% um, irrigated here where we're at. Um, And they will only plant the potatoes under the irrigation uh, because they require a lot of of water, um, a lot of management to keep them um, cool, and and to be able to provide the fertility they need, um, so we're really blessed there. Um, it's a great market to get into, um, and they're close enough that you know we can take advantage of them. You know, and good company to work with. Um, it, it's not where we put a lot of acres in every year, but we're available. You know, we're able to put a few acres in and and really capture a a, a nice financial you know increase on those acres. Uh, Every you know, occasionally, um, but it is yeah. tough on the soil, and they don't want it year after year.
0: So very good. So, so really, it's just more of a you know, and and a lot of my clients are banks, and uh, one of the big things they're all wrestling with right now is is big tech companies. They they call them fintech companies are are needing a place to deposit money, and they're and they're needing you know to be able to say, hey, we can provide banking services, but they don't want to. You know, spend the money on the regulations, and so they're they're offering their their bank banking as a service is what they're calling the the mm-hmm. the process of doing that. And I feel like what you're saying there is that you know you're taking really good care of the land. Uh, you know, one of the things I've learned in talking to you, Eric, is that when we talk about technology and farming, it's not just about the IT; it's the technology of disease control, the technology of keeping that land the kind of land that a potato farmer would want to plant their potatoes on, right? And so, I mean, does it have, like, is it they always want to come in after the soybeans, not the corn? Because the soybeans put nitrogen into the ground? Or is there there anything technological about that potato part of the operation?
1: So on the potato side, they generally prefer to come in after corn. Um, It really has more to do with the herbicides that are used on a uh, corn crop versus a bean crop. Um, they're, so the corn crop herbicides are generally more um, relaxed, I, I guess is a poor word, but um, they're more conducive to growing a potato crop. We don't have as much uh, uh, crossover problems that we would with some of the soybean chemistry we use. Um, they will go on soybeans, but they really want to know what your chemistry program was the year before, before they'll make that decision.
0: Oh. and and that right there is a big change my dad never used the word chemistry uh, other than you better pass your chemistry class right <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: um but if i was to follow in his footsteps and be a farmer i would be very well off because i passed that chemistry class from yeah. what i'm you know from listening to you and your sons and your hired man talk chemistry is a huge part of farming now. Just just drying the corn to be able to, you know, take it to market. There's requirements now where, when my dad was a farmer, it was more kind of a premium, almost a favor to, you know, to the uh, elevator is what we call the place we took our corn. Um, And so that's just fascinating how, you know, it's really interesting to me because I grew up on a farm before technology was a big thing in farming. And I'm coming back to having, you know, went on about my life and not really paid attention to it to it, it's almost a there's a huge quantum leap and yeah, oh, yeah. yeah so I guess a big question then is when did you first notice the quantum leap Eric you know when did you first start saying wow you know technology is starting to become a big part of the operation so the
1: I guess the, the beginning one would be for a uh... For my operation, we bought a new tractor in 2005, I believe it was, a new John Deere, um, and they offered the auto steer package in it, and I opted to go that route. Um, And when we got it in that fall, I believe, um, you know, it was more of a gimmick at the time. Nobody really put a lot of faith in it, but it was sold to... The way they approached it was it would really alleviate the fatigue factor. You know, when you're sitting in a tractor for 10, 12, 15 hours a day, 20 hours a day, depending on you know what you got going on, uh, it takes a lot of the fatigue out of it. You know, being an old farm kid, you you know there is, you know, I'm sitting in a tractor driving a tractor, but boy, after operating them for about three hours, it just really, really was amazing how much more relaxed I was. Um, And even going home at night, you know, and being able to wind down and go to bed, you know, you could really tell I wasn't as tense, I was more relaxed, you know, especially when you, when you added that auto steer into the planting operation where, you know, it, I could focus on making sure the planter was functioning correctly and keep an eye out for different things going wrong there and I didn't have to worry about trying to drive straight because, I want it to look good and, and and have a nice appearance. And it really alleviated a lot of fatigue. Um, and that was just, you know, that was the beginning. And at that point, you know, it just kept, it advanced so quickly, you know, and, and then probably in the, you know, in that 2012 to 2015 range was where we really started utilizing the variable rate technology, um, which we, you know, we started on our planner and our planning operations first, um, where we could variable rate our seed populations, uh, correlated with our soil types and our management zones. Uh, so basically where, wherever, you know, wherever we were gonna create a higher yield or produce a higher yield on the better soil, we would actually, it automatically would tell the planter to plant more plants um, and and then in reverse on the poor soil types, you know, it, we could drop it down to where we're not using excess seed that we don't need that in in lack of a better term, you know, if you put too many seeds out on poor ground, actually you're putting some weeds out there to get in the way. It's just too much. and mm-hmm. And then it just kept hurtling forward and uh, we started variable rating fertilizer and, and nitrogen and everything. We basically, at this point, we variable rate every product put on this farm with the exception of chicken litter. That's the only product on this farm that we actually flat rate. Um, I believe it, it makes us better stewards of the land first and foremost, but... It also, it's an economic decision, you know, where, you, where you, you've got to, you're not wasting seed, you're not wasting fertilizer, you're not over applying, which, you know, back in the day when they didn't have the technology, you just, you didn't under fertilize. So you were always putting on too much, you know, and it's no disrespect to my father and my grandfathers. It's just the way it was back in the day. And,
0: yeah, we didn't have the technology. I So, so far, Eric, I mean, I feel like we've already kind of Four different technology types, or you know, have come up. I mean, we we talked about I would call it maybe safety technology. The you know the technologies involved in making your job easier, so you're not as fatigued. Gosh, I remember when I was a 13 year old boy, I worked 16 hour days. You know, I, you know, there's no. I mean, it's why I'm not afraid to work now. You know, what I mean, but fatigue was a part of being a farmer back in those days, and. And, and I remember uh, your hired man when we were talking to him, you know, basically saying that, you know, I mean, uh, you guys would would uh, make a decision all depending on how well the weather is treating you and stuff. But a lot of times you would go home before it even got dark, which, you know, we we'd be combining until 10 o'clock at night if the if it was dry enough, you know, I am saying and um, so. Yeah but that's just one of the technologies the variable rate technology you just talked about the chemistry technology which kind of applies to that uh when I was riding the combine with you which by the way thank you very much that was a lot of fun glad um, to have it i mean can you imagine if i didn't grow up on a farm but be really fun you know what i mean but um but maybe the Funness of it to me was looking at the iPad and and listening to you talk. You knew, hey, by the way, coming up here, the ground is going to get a little bit different. I mean, I mean, when we looked at farms as a kid, it was like that's a rocky farm, that's clay. <laughs> but it was the whole farm you're looking at. All right, now we're getting into the clay. Now we're getting into the rocks. You know, I mean, that sort of thing. Which, of course, those weren't the words you were using. You were using much more chemistry-oriented, you know, or, or geology probably-oriented terminology that must just come from the technology that you're using. Um, can you talk a little bit about that iPad on your, you know, combine?
1: So basically, we started uh, utilizing that iPad with a another company we work with, um, and it's basically, it's mapping everything that we're doing. So whatever you know if we're planting or harvesting or side dressing nitrogen um, we we link it to the ipad to be able to download that data on the ipad and then that data will it, number one it goes streamed live or immediately to my agronomist um, which we work very close with but then um, a lot of it goes to into iCloud uh, and then uh, we actually downloaded on a, on in our particular situation, John Deere has a, an app center that we work with. Um, and basically we're, we can collect all this data or we collect all this data and we keep track of all this data. And then we'll take it from planting to fertilizing all the way through harvest. And then we compile all that data and we create basically management zones, you know, and it's all based on yield. Um, So when we collect that harvest yield, then we can go back and look, you know, hey, we we planted 34,000 population on this particular soil type. Did we get the yield that, that we were shooting for? What do we need to do to get to that next level? Or hey, we really nailed it. Now we've got that dialed in. We know how to manage that particular soil type on that particular farm for the future. And then, from all that collected data, then that's how we'll make our, create our prescriptions for the following year, whether it be seeding population, fertility, whatever the case may be. Um, and in turn, we'll go through while we're um, harvesting, you know, at the time or putting on nitrogen and we'll flag areas in the field, whether we, have, we see we have a weed problem or, you know, and like in the simplest terms, you know, hey, you you found a big rock right there. Hit the flag on the iPad. We link it to something else. We can go back and find that rock immediately. Get it the heck out of there. Wow. And um, it's it's been a valuable tool. And I'm blessed to have my sons on the operation, which are a little bit more IT savvy than I am. Yes. <laughs> so you know they really understand the technology a lot better. Some of it's still a little Greek to me, but uh, it's. We just try to compile all the data to create, you know, a better business model for the future into the next year.
0: Well, what I was really struck by is, and you know, it's, it's, it's this way in every small business, but not only were you, you had a command as we were combining through the field of the metrics or the kpis the key performance indicators you know yield but you know also i imagine you can count up that rock had 20 or that field had 20 rocks or whatever right um Mm -hmm. but your uh your, your sons and your hired man even they were you know they were keeping track of how many loads uh we've dumped this year um and i I never thought to ask them, but in my mind, at least when I was on the farm, I'd be thinking last year, it took us X number of loads. So we're halfway done or whatever, you know, Um, assuming we do as as well as last year, hopefully we do better. And, you know, I mean, and, and, and by the way, talking about good motivation to get those last loads in as we're kicking last year's butt, right. I mean, that's what KPIs are all all about. But uh, the the iPad, I want to make sure I don't, because I also feel that mobility, you know, these things right here, right? iPhones, and that's my dog on my iPhone there. But, you know, they really have had an impact on all businesses, whether we decided to adopt them or, you know, consciously said, hey, I'm going to use my iPhone for this or my iPad for that. Um, and, and a great example is, And I want to get this story in mainly for my mom, because my mom's uncle, uh, Uncle Mike, we called him, uh, was a real old guy to me, which, you know, now I realize he was about my age. (laughs) Um, But he had a terrible arthritis problem. And my dad and my uncle at one time, my uncle asked my dad, I overheard them, you know, and My uncle was like, are we sure we want to, you know, use Mike next year? And my dad was like, yes, we have to keep Mike on board the team because he's my weather vane. You know what I mean? He's the person that helps us know when there's going to be rain coming, all because his arthritis would flare up in the humidity. Oh, yeah. Nowadays, I, I don't have to be a farmer to know that I can just go to the weather channel and get, you know, the best we can get at least at predicting weather, which is it perfect no, but it's certainly a lot better than asking the arthritis guy, you know, how's your joints feeling today, right? Um Absolutely. Tell about other mobility advantages that you're getting from that iPad or from just the fact that you're using, you know, mobile technology in the farming business.
1: Well, you know, but, you know, in the past without the iPad, you know, when you, when you went and sat down for me, when I went and sat down with my agronomist, you know, I'm taking a stack of folders, you know, and digging through paperwork and, and, you know, taking half a day to basically now what we can just, you know, print out reports real quick or pull up reports on the iPad and sit and talk. And, you know, we've cut our time considerably by, you know, having that data right there taking it, you know, to our meetings and, and, and sitting down and, and having those conversations and and basically it's as simple as what you said too, you know, the, my son in the auger cart, you've seen him, you know, he has an iPad in his machine also, and he, he's not so much collecting data but he's watching the markets. He's getting weather alerts. He's watching the weather, you know, uh, Corn's not as big as a deal when we're harvesting corn, but when we're harvesting soybeans, we really want to know, you know, hey, the rain's going about here. We don't want them to get wet. Um, It's really made us a little bit more open to that, you know, technology to be able to use that to avoid some catastrophic situations, um, you know, weather-related catastrophic situations where we don't get a load of beans, you know, rained on or something that they can soak it up really quick. that, those sorts of things that really, you know, it, it's helped on the, on the aspect of uh, convenience, uh, but, y- you know, collectively we have all that data in one, you know, one piece of equipment now, um, rather than, try, like I said earlier, trying to take a stack of folders and dig through and try to put it all back together. Here we already have it, it's already compiled, it just saves a lot of time, a lot more convenient, and then we have it throughout the year too. you know, we can go back out. We basically, you know, if we're scouting the field, if my agronomist is not out there and I'm out there and I see a problem, you know, there again we're flagging it. I'm sending it to my agronomist. Let's check it out. Let's see what's going on. Um, and basically, that one program that we work with with FieldView, um, they actually they keep a um, they're looking at plant health all year long because of they have all this data. So they're sending me reports all the time, emails, you know, Hey, uh, you know, here's your plant health quality right now. And they're compiling some suggestions of, Hey, you know, you need to keep an eye on this. Um, It's also, um, since they already have that collected data and they have it on a per field basis, um, it's, I believe it's linked through NOAA, but I will get uh, pre- precipitation reports. So if we get a rain event, I can go to my iPad and I can pull up field by field within about a 10th of an inch, how much rain each farm has gotten, um, which is a really nice aspect for us, uh, especially with the pivot irrigation. We can manage our irrigation a little bit better with that. There's just a there's a multitude of different things that it has improved. Um, and it's sometimes it's overwhelming how much data we have and how to even interpret it all to uh, to get the best result out of it but it's it's a lot different it was when I started
0: (laughs) you know that that just reminds me of when you know my dad my uncle decided hey we're going to put a rain gauge on every one of our fields and then like at the end of the year they're like on that didn't work because you know you couldn't I mean you couldn't tell between a tenth of a net, you, you couldn't get that detailed on it, right? But what I'm hearing you say is not only do you know what, you know, how much rain was in this field, but it was really broken down by where the rain fell in the field. Am I getting that right, too? Or? Yes, yeah, to a degree,
1: and, and you know, something I guess I didn't mention earlier, we, we actually farm in three different counties, so, you know, there's, we're 20 miles from tip to tip and, and from across to cross, so, it, you know, that to try to drive around and check everything, you know, yeah, and, you yeah. know, a multitude of rain gauges, it doesn't really work. You know, you can have the best of intentions, but time still is a factor. Um, so it, it, it really gives us a broader spectrum and as, errat- as erratic as the weather is anymore, you know, we can literally have, well, we had an event this spring that the South, the South farms only had two and a half inch. Yeah, I think two and a half inch rain. Uh, the Northeast farm had eight and a quarter in one of them. And, you know, boy, you want to talk about a management decision, then try to figure out what the devil to do and how to maintain things at that point. But we had the tools, we knew what was going on and we weren't relying on the neighbor to say, Hey, you know, this is what we had.
0: Well, and that I mean, boy, um, you know, it, it I feel like just to, I mean, back to the mobile technology, um you know, I mean, my dad, and my uncle were, were very, there was almost a habit. They didn't even, they knew when it was going to be noon because they had to be by a radio at noon in order to keep tabs on the market. Mm-hmm. Right. Because the market report, I think it was Orion Samuelson or whatever oh, yeah. guy, yep. and they had to listen to the market report. And, you know I mean? And then there'll be a lot of times where they're like, you know, um, I would always check, When our bus always went right by the elevator (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I would always check what the price of corn and beans were in case they needed to know because they missed the market report or whatever (laughs) right so uh, but now you just go to your phone right and or your iPad or whatever and you've got the market report one of the things you've been talking about that I definitely want to make sure we discuss because my dad had a host of people he would you know, consider to be resources. I mean, Uncle Mike was a resource, right? But he would spend a lot of time going back and forth to the University of Illinois' extension office. And, um, and really, you know, they would be helping them determine what kind of weed seed or, you know, um, uh, various, you know, problems, you know, diseases, that sort of thing. And what I'm gathering from listening to your, you know, uh, explanations is that you have a consultant and an agronomist. Am I saying that right? Agronomist, um, mm-hmm. agronomist, um, who is kind of really helping you not only with the technology, you know, the IT stuff, the data collection, that sort of thing, but also with the chemistry, with the variable rates, with new technologies. I mean, uh, uh, I, I'm I'm getting the impression that that this particular entity is really a part of your team as much as your sons and your hired men are, am I, am I getting that right? He is
1: without a doubt um, as valuable as my sons with the, with the exception that he's not related to me, but yes, I, yes. I would not want to farm without him. Um, the The vast amount of knowledge that he has um, on, uh, on fertility on, you know, chemistries um and, and, you know, you have to have a feel for that. You have to have a flair for that. Um, and he's not afraid to push the boundaries to try to get to that next level. Um, and he's a realist. He doesn't buy into a lot of the snake oils, as we call them. Um, you know, there's there's always somebody out there selling some joy juice that, you know, it's going to add 5-10 bushel. Well, you know, we got to be realist about it. And, uh, but yes, his. His knowledge, um, and I've been working with him for probably close to 20 years now. Uh, fantastic person, um, knows what my goals are. Um, I know what his goals are. We, you know, we have a great working relationship. Um, Any right now, he is actually on all of my forums. Um, he can access all that data immediately. Um, so he can compile and, and start putting things together. Um, you know, usually he's, you know, we start harvesting if that farms on the on the list to be soil sampled. He's in the field while we're still picking. Uh, nice. You know, he's just excited and ready to go and get get things figured out and plan for the future. Um, so yes, he is a very, very important part of this farming operation. Um, you know, if, you, if you're... if you And the problem is, you know, we you get to a certain point, you just don't have time to do it all yourself. Um, and you really, you know, unless you're in God's country, you know, whether it's in the middle of Illinois or the middle of Iowa, you know, where we get they get rain half you know every week and a half, and they have two soil types. It's you know, they don't have quite the issues we do. Um, you know, in our part of northern Indiana, we are extremely variable soil types. We may change soil types three, four, five times in a half mile stretch, and for a lot of people, that's unfathomable to think about, but it's reality for us, and, and it takes an extreme amount of management to try to push the envelope to get our yields up to where we're competitive with the, you know, the Central Illinois and things like that. Um, and he is a key key part of that, and uh, and he's a darn good steward too. He knows what our goals are, you know, as far as keeping our our land healthy and 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 keeping doing our due diligence for mother nature on top of it so
0: you know what i really have, am also been struck by is that not only did you several times when i was riding that combine with you but your your sons as well used the phrase steward of the land and and i felt like that was just kind of getting started when you know my dad was retiring uh, you know, the whole notion of, uh, you know, soil conservation and that sort of thing. And so I, I, I'm just struck by how that has changed. I'm sure technology has helped with that, but it also seems to be a shift in understanding that we have an extremely valuable resource here in America called farmland, <laughs> And and it's great that uh, uh, farmers see part of their role now is to make sure that we're preserving the value of that land. Um, what kind of technologies, and I'm throwing this at you, it's certainly not a question I said we were going to ask, But but are there technologies that really kind of lend to that, that you can, you know, discuss or...
1: Yeah, I mean, you you can implement a lot of it into anything, any situation. Um, you know, there's, there's I don't know if I would refer to it as a kind of a technology, but we're, we're experimenting with a lot more cover crop uh, situations. We're on our lighter soils. We put something on it to hold it down. Um, and in certain situations where our intentions are in the future here, we're going to start actually variable rating our cover, cover crop, pardon me, um, where we're maybe not so much doing the whole field or the whole farm, but hitting the the the, the tough spots, you know, the sand hills or the or the places where the water might, you know, hilly situations. Where we're just focusing on those situations versus doing the whole farm. Um, it's it, there's it's really tough to say that there's one management style that works for an entire farm. Um, you know, there again, if you're, you know, if you're one or two soil types, yes, you can get away with it. But in our geographical area, it's just a pretty tough situation. We we go from no-till to conservation till to minimum till to maximum till, you know. It just depends on what farm, what operation, you know, what our goals are, or plans for the future are. Um, but, you know, there again, when you start, working with the cover crops, then you're working with different chemistries in the springtime to control those cover crops, too. Um, so, you know, yes, there is a lot of technology involved in that. Um, and, and on the plus side of it, we found a real boost in our weed control. We're, we're getting considerably better weed control where we're working with cover crops and then coming back in and, and either no-tilling into those situations or minimum-tilling into those situations. So there is you know, there is some benefits to it and for sure just doesn't work for everywhere all the time. So,
0: so, you know, we're in the business of risk management and, and I maintain that everybody's in the business of risk management. And so uh, there's really three processes that, that apply to every type of risk management situation. A, you measure the risk, B, you respond to the risk and C, you monitor that response. And so to me, You know, you start off answering that question by saying that you really don't see technology as as being, you know, the steward of the land. But really, to me, it's all the measuring that you're doing that's helping you you know where the soil is light, and so we need to put a cover crop there. Economically, if you know that, hey, it's going to be worth planting. I suppose wheat or oats or something. Is that what we're talking about? So in the winter, uh,
1: cereal rye. I mean, there's a there's a giant pot you can choose from out there depending on what works on your farm but yes mm-hmm.
0: and so if you have a hundred acre field you know and my dad would be like well we, we could plant wheat to save the soil there man that's a lot of money <laughs> and wheat the yeah. Price of wheat in the 70s was terrible <laughs> um till the you know Afghanistan um yeah. the point being is that if you know that, hey, if we go out and plant wheat on 40 acres of this hundred-acre field, we're going to save the field. That makes it more of a, you know, a, an achievable goal. Am, am I, am I hearing you say that right?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, it is. It's. But there again, you know, I mean, it's 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 an acceptability level of whether you know you you have to put faith into the operation you're doing, you know, and you have to believe in what you're doing. And for a farmer, you it's all you know, we're basically we're all from Missouri. Show me. You got you got to prove to me, you know. And and that's what we're seeing. Um and it's working for us. I'm not saying it's gonna work for the neighbors. You know, you get two farmers to agree on something, you really accomplish something because it's pretty tough sometimes. But, now uh, that's
0: the part that hasn't changed.
1: No, sir. Army. No, sir. Uh, you know, and it's it, it works for us, doesn't work for the neighbors. We're trying to implement it more, um, but it's just basically it's what you know what you're comfortable doing, and it's a it's just another management level, you know. And and we really struggled this year with the way the fall broke, you know, uh, way the weather stacked up on us and everything. It was just a struggle of getting all the cover crops out we wanted to put out this year. So
0: But for the sake of my audience, do you see how it works in risk management? I mean you're oh, yeah. you're measuring and that helps you respond to that risk. And then at the end of the year, you sit down with your agronomist, you go over all the data. Your agronomist is the expert at deciphering and interpreting that data. And then you create new action plans. That's the monitoring process, right? And Absolutely. so you're right back to where you start. You, you got your measurements. And next year, you're going to respond to that risk in, in a little bit different way than you did this year based on what you learned this year. Am I am I summarizing that Absolutely. correctly?
1: Absolutely. I would say that's a very good summary. Yep.
0: Um, I won't have to say the one thing that struck me the most. I are are you wearing a John Deere hat?
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Yes, I am. Yeah. I, I I have to say that on the way back, you know, of course I was with my daughter and my son-in-law. And on the way back, we were reflecting on the, you know, wow, you know, we, we were able to ride in that combine. And and our notion was, well, you know what, if I spend a million dollars on something, I'd want to show it off too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so well, um, That's
1: what I always said. I I, I bought a three
0: hundred thousand dollar hat, and they threw in a tractor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's a good way of putting it. Um, and for my my audience, yes, I am wearing a different hat. It is my summertime hat. There. <laughs> um, when you get the was... John Deere emblem for that thing. <laughs> yes, yes, we need a John Deere <laughs> emblem up there. So, Eric, while we were there um, visiting you, you know, I was kind of starting to get concerned about all of this data collection that we're doing. And, you know, I'm being that I'm in the, you know, the cybersecurity business, one of the big things we talk to our banking clients about is control of the data. Who owns the data? You know, what are they doing with that data? Are they using that data to train AI so that you're no longer necessary so what do you, what what are your thoughts about that? Is your agronomist helping you with those types of questions, or, or you know, where you, where do you stand on the the fact that John Deere probably knows everything more about your farm than you do?
1: It, it is a little bit nerve wracking, and the question of who owns it technically, you know, we're, we're told we own it, but just because we own it doesn't mean everybody else and his brother gets to look at, it. Um, you know, and, and where does it end, you know, and uh, you know, whether the, chemi- you know, the chemical companies own it, you know, the John Deere company or, you know, whoever the case may be, all that data is just sitting out there, you know, it's, it, and it's when you, when you're dealing with some of these larger companies, not so much John Deere, you know, which take it for what they're worth, but the, you know, the, the other companies that we deal with, um, I'm not even even sure, I've not researched it enough to know whether it's even a U.S.-based company. So, you know, how much of this data possibly China China has or other countries that may have. Um, And it is a, it's a little bit alarming. Um, You know, it it could come back to bite us in the butt at some point, I suppose. But uh, it is, as far as the agronomists know, I mean, we all believe our data is secured, um, but that's not necessarily always the truth.
0: Well, and then you know, there's the availability risk. I mean, and I, I, I had made an attention to you know, kind of start googling and 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 researching um, the notion of you know who controls the satellites because I mean, am I correct? I, I I've spoken to farmers who, you know, their a, a lightning struck their pump house and they and they lost their ability to harvest for a day or whatever. Um, and so you know, knowing how IT works, knowing that you're probably relying on satellites to get that data to the servers that are aggregating it, you know, who controls those satellites? Would would one of the things that an enemy of the United States be able to do is is shut off your ability to harvest or plant or fertilize or you know, whatever you do in between harvest or planting and harvesting, right? Um, but the other aspects of the data collection that kind of interest me are kind of, you know, I, I always remember my dad uh would always be, you know, this course he, you know, he's he's no longer with us anymore, and neither is the neighbor that he would wonder about. But <laughs> my dad seriously did sometimes say, you know, our weeds are coming from his farm. Um, and, you know, diseases even. And so um, I feel like if you're collecting that data, maybe not, you know, the weeds, but it would be, to me, an, an added benefit if you notice that, hey, there's a disease on this farm. So let's go ahead and put this treatment on ours because we know it's eventually going to make its way over here. Is there any data sharing going on like that?
1: Not I guess I want to say not freely. Um, You know, you get, we do have a pretty good network of neighbors and I I believe every place does, you know, and as long as you're not that guy, they're all going to share, you know, hey, we've got this situation going on, you might want to keep an eye out on it. And, you know, with our agronomists, we're we're really proactive. So, um, you know, not a lot of them not a lot of my neighbors have an agronomist that they're using like myself and, and a couple of my other buddies so they're a little bit farther behind um and, and that may come on the on the weed control side of it and may you know it especially comes from the disease side of it if you're not actually actively out there walking the you know walking your crops and, and you're not going to know um and, you can use the technology out there. You know, like I said before, some of that stuff, they, it'll send you alarms. But it's basically, you know, hey, the weather says you might have this problem. Well, unless you go out there, you don't know. And when you're talking about some of these applications being, you know, 20 to $40 an acre, you don't just want to willy-nilly go out there and throw this stuff around. And, and it goes back to being a steward, you know. We don't want to use any more of this stuff, and we don't have to. Uh, but, you know, a lot of the, a lot of my neighbors and friends that I'm really close with will talk collectively and say, hey, you know, we've seen the neighbor has this issue, are you seeing it and and that, but as far as, you know, a, a, a statewide network or no, you can say Purdue's out there, but I don't know that they're really out there helping us that much. Um, you know, they're like anybody else, they're a business and they're getting governed by where their money's coming from. So, Um, But, you know, the the technology is there. I don't know whether or not on the technology side it is that accurate to be able to justify treatment expenses without actually putting your boots in the field and and checking for the disease or the weed. it
0: It might give you a tip, but it'd be one common Outside the realm of technology anyway, because you have good relationships with your, your neighbors and that sort of thing. Yeah.
1: And and back to your earlier statement, you know, it it's, it's concerning about, you know, it could somebody affect us with, you know, the satellite technology. Yes, they definitely could. Um, are they going to stop us from doing, you know, from planting or harvesting or whatever the case may be? no it just might be the fact that we'd have to revert back to the old ways you know um, we're still going to do it but you know we're not going to collect the data we may not have the you know the ability to create our prescriptions and map you know by that way we'd have to manually do it or just go out and do the best of but it would make a huge huge effect on all of our bottom lines if they did
0: but you know what eric i mean let's face it um you know, we've got this right, yeah. and so the difference is, is that my dad would go in and he'd have to take a piece of the cornstalk and into the extension office to say, "What is this?" You know, yeah. you take a picture of it, and and when you're, you know, when you're wherever, you know, the breakfast, you know, um, uh, place or oh. wherever you you do get together with your your neighbors. Um, you could show each other pictures of it. I have an app on my phone that I could take a picture of a tree and it'll tell me what kind of tree it is. I'm, I'm sure you're leveraging that sort of technology. Are, are you not? Or.
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, there's there's different, you know, we can use it in weed technology and things of that nature. And, and it's absolutely beneficial. Um, you know, it, it, all this stuff is great, but it, you know, you, you kind of do this too. And I understand but. This is only as good as the signal you get. and up here yeah. in, up here in uh, radio and cell phone nowhere land, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets to be a little bit of trouble. <laughs> so.
0: Good point. very good point. um, it's it's something that most of us you know suffer from here in Indiana, right? So, yeah, sir, well, Eric, we really appreciate the insights and ideas you've shared with us here today. I know that those that listen to Cyberviews are really appreciating your contributions. I'm Dan Hadaway. And I'm Eric Hughes. And this has been a Cyberviews podcast presented by Infotex. And never forget, awareness is 9-11's in a battle.